Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Quality people, welcome back to episode number 75 of the Healthcare Quality Cast, powered by the Quality Coaching Company. I'm your host, Jarvis Gray, and let's just get into it because I honestly can't brag enough about today's guest. So the first thing that I want you to do, quality people, is to pause the show right here, jump onto LinkedIn, and connect with today's guest. Go ahead. I'll wait. You'll hear it in today's episode, but our guest today, Tashka Nelson, is all about building relationships and the value that she's giving across her network is so very impressive. Tashka, better known as TK, was born and raised in Miami, Florida, where she earned her Bachelor of Health Services from Florida Atlantic University and MBA from AIU. Currently, she and her husband reside in Prince George's County, Maryland, right outside of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Her career has spanned across a spectrum of healthcare areas to include claims, compliance, IT, business analysts, and project management, allowing her to thrive in a performance management and process improvement leader with diverse perspectives. She is now a proud leader of a team of internal consultants at the Kaiser Permanente, a 75-year-old integrated care nonprofit organization providing care for more than 12 million members and employing over 200,000 employees. As a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, TK sought to employ her passion for community building by uniting other Greek healthcare professionals in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia tri-state area. Tasha's group, appropriately named Greeks in Healthcare, is a growing grassroots initiative bringing together over 200-plus healthcare leaders across the DMV and providing an engaging forum for these specially bonded professionals to network, serve the community, join museum tours across the region, and even take a party boat ride every now and then. TK is a proponent for women's empowerment and leads Kaiser Permanente's Women Empowered Business Resource Group as a co-chair and facilitates Maryland's chapter of Stride. Mrs. Nelson is a proud wife, stepmom, and cherishes her close ties with her parents, siblings, and entire family, and she can now add Healthcare Quality Cast alumnus to her an extensive resume. Here in episode number 75, TK starts our show with a leadership mindset around leaving a legacy. TK walks us through her impressive healthcare career and doubles down on her legacy mindset with sharing stories from her interactions with the late Mr. Bernard Tyson and the impact of his legacy on her career. TK shares with us a dark moment story connected with always being prepared. She tells us how she establishes trust and builds one-on-one relationships with the teams that she leads. TK highlights the power of mentorship and shares with us a tip that she uses for supporting the professional development of others. TK provides a future vision on why a focus around innovation and change management will lead how we approach healthcare moving forward. She highlights how she leverages her high energy to inspire and to do great work and why cultivating relationships should be a top priority and our focus to grow as healthcare professionals. TK, thank you so much again, not just for this episode, but also for the friendship and support that we've established leading past this discussion. Quality people, I hope that you're ready to experience what I can only describe as authentic leadership in today's call with TK. And if you truly enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave us five stars and a short review. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you back here next week when we return with another quality guest. 
All right, everybody, thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today I'm here with a guest and good friend of mine, Tashka TK Nelson. TK, are you ready to share with some quality people? I am. All right, perfect. Well, TK, we love to start every show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So I would love if you can share a favorite leadership quote or a leadership mindset, but tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on a daily basis? So I start each day by asking myself, how can I make a difference today? I really take leaving a legacy seriously. And the quote that comes to mind originated by Gary Vaynerchuk. And he said, please think about your legacy because you're writing it every day. I feel each person on this earth is granted gifts and resources. And as a mentor, an advocate, a coach, a leader, friend, professional, family member, and all the many hats that I wear, I try to use those resources and those gifts to make a positive impact in any way I can. So we hear often people say you have to pull others up as you climb, and I'm very dedicated to that and definitely want it to be that the same way people stood up at the altar and said such kind words about my grandmother last year when she passed away, they could do the same for me because they don't really get up at your funeral and say, oh, she was the greatest professional ever. (laughs) Essentially, people focus on how you've changed your lives. So I I love that um, quote for a couple of reasons, TK. Um, First, just the the connection to, you know, writing your legacy every day and the work that we do as healthcare quality improvement professionals, I think is perfect for this show. Um, But so really quick story for you. But um, I can say that Gary Vaynerchuk is half of the reason that I'm doing this podcast. Wow. Yeah, in a, in a weird, in a in a very weird way though, because I was working working with a business coach who was coaching me up on different ways to start to you know make a name for myself to have a have an online presence, so to speak, and um, she kept referring to Gary Vaynerchuk, and so I went and read the book and started watching a couple of his videos, and I was like, oh my god, I hate this guy. <laughs> um, only he, that's his personality. Like you're either going to really really yeah. love him or really really hate him. Um, yeah. Now, being where I am, I actually really love and appreciate his message. But at that time, this was my anti-Gary Vaynerchuk way to <laughs> kind of do what he preaches about. And so I have a podcast now. Oh. So um, all that said, I think he he's a special person. Um, his messages are always point on, even if you love his personality or not. But right. again, just the connection to the work that we do, I think that's a really powerful one. So. Um, thank you for getting us started in that mindset, TK. And um, I'm really looking forward to moving into the next question and learning a ton more about you and the things you've done with your career path. Um, because just from your LinkedIn page, TK, I can see you are all in with healthcare and quality improvement. So I would love if you can share really brief, um, you know, uh, overview of your current role, your professional background, and definitely what led you into this career path. Yeah, I actually just changed roles. So I'm only about two weeks into my newest role. And in this role now, I'm leading a team to strategize, implement, and improve healthcare operations in the care continuum. But I'm doing it as a portfolio manager in lieu of what I was doing before as a senior manager of business process management. So it actually took me a while to wrap my head around this change because I had gotten very comfortable with the idea of being a senior manager and having dedicated staff reporting to me. And essentially, I was aligning my identity to my title. And when this restructure happened at my current organization, which is Kaiser Permanente, and we're one of the largest integrated care systems out there, we're a nonprofit, um, 
they essentially consolidated all of the project management and process improvement resources into one space. What's extremely exciting about that is that I'm now skip level to the regional president. So there's more visibility, there's more opportunity to make a greater impact versus the smaller area that I'm in. But also it puts me in a different position so that I have a rotating group of professionals that will now be working with me um, in partnership to drive some of these strategic initiatives to align with the operating plan for our organization. So with that, that was actually um, some change <laughs> that I I'm still leading the same type of work. So still doing my project management and process improvement work and still in the care continuum and at Kaiser in our uh, mid-Atlantic states region, those departments include inpatient case management, outpatient case management, um, emergency care management, referral processing, a lot of those areas. Um, so it's still allowing a lot of opportunity for growth and a huge impact um, for our patients. So to take you down memory lane <laughs> for the rest of my, um, I've kind of hopped around a lot. So I am heavy in consulting and project management and process improvement. But when you look at my managed care background, you'll see that I've worked in compliance, healthcare IT, claims, provider contracting configuration, um, and just different areas of operations. And I really found that my career path has allowed me to take the experiences from this myriad of different areas within healthcare to kind of piecemeal and take a little bit from each area to make the informed decisions or to make the recommendations for improvement that we work on today. Well, perfect, TK. I already have my first off script question for you. So oh, um, they come. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to say, give me credit. I'm actually giving you a heads up that it's coming. But, um, you know, when we first connected, I, I shared um, briefly, you know, I had spent some time working with Kaiser as well. And mm -hmm. I can honestly say that um, when the opportunity came to work there, it was driven, obviously, kind of being out, being an outsider, looking in. You hear all of the stories and just, you know, the phenomenal work that Kaiser's doing. And the time that I spent there, I was very impressed with the culture, um, the culture that I experienced working here in the um, Atlanta market. But then also mm -hmm. when I had a chance to fly out to the West Coast, it was like a whole nother world. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing, one of the things I'll say that attracted me the most was the fact that Kaiser was led by Bernard Tar uh, Tyson. Yes. And um, obviously, so I, I left just a little bit after his passing. Um, but, you know, kind of one of the biggest like regrets, if I could say that, was that I never had a chance to meet him um, or, you know, more personally experience some of his leadership. And again, just in my research with you and seeing some of the things that you've posted on your LinkedIn pages, it looks like you've had the chance to connect with him um, face to face and in person. Uh, could you maybe just share for me personally, because I never, I never got that. And as an African-American man working in healthcare, uh, you know, he was, he was up on that pedestal for me personally. Yeah. Could you yeah. maybe speak what his, what that experience was like, or his leadership was like, um, just, uh, just out of my own personal curiosity, but maybe again, just a spotlight again, that, that really cool culture that Kaiser offers and the great work and the things that they're doing that you all are doing to move healthcare forward. But I would love to just hear a story or two, maybe from your experience. Bernard Tyson was the most, and I'm going to say is the most inspirational and humble leader I've never, I've ever met in life. Um, and he is missed so much. 
what I really appreciated about him was that he was so easy to talk to. The first time I met him, I was at a diversity conference at Kaiser Permanente. Um, I sit on the executive board for the Women Empowered um, Business Resource Group for our Mid-Atlantic States region. And there's an annual conference that Kaiser hosts every year just in celebration of diversity and inclusion. And I had the opportunity to attend. And I remember like it was yesterday, I just happened to be walking out of the bathroom and I was, and he was walking by with um, a team of maybe five, six people around him. And I was like shocked that he had just walked by and I said, oh, Mr. Tyson. And he turned around and he said, hello, young lady. And he shook my hand um, and he said, where are you here from? And I told him I'm here from Mid-Atlantic States. I told him the role I was in. Um, and I just took that moment to really tell him how much I appreciated the fact that he would bring up those areas of focus that not enough healthcare leaders I felt were focusing on at the time. Um, and he would bring them up in situations in which it probably wasn't the most popular thing to talk about. And I appreciated that. I also appreciated being an African-American female and seeing him in so many spotlights and, and owning the fact that he is an African-American leader that is emerging and that is definitely representing what I felt to be, you know, my community. Um, there's other forums that I've met him in. For example, um, he's huge or, you know, was very active with ELC and ELC is an organization that's focused on um, empowering minority leaders. Um, so he did a lot with that. He did a lot with NASI, which is the National Association of Health Service Executives. And I'm also, I've been a part of NASI since uh, undergrad, like 2000. Um, and he did so much with that. And that organization is really um, focused on empowering minorities and really developing them in healthcare. And I really appreciated that. I appreciated that he was the face of healthcare. He was having these conversations. He was so well-respected, yet so humble. And he made smart decisions. Um, so without rambling, <laughs> you know, I am, and when he passed, I mean, there's no one that really could replace him. And I am more grateful that, you know, I started off the podcast talking about my legacy. I'm grateful that he was a leader that I have, A, had a, even an interaction with, um, but then he's someone that I can model and I can think of him as a leader as I'm making decisions and ethical decisions. And he's someone that I admire and I will always admire and continue to model myself after. That's no, wonderful. I appreciate, you know, the the story and just the the deep dive from your experience with experience with him. Um, you know, right before his passing, he was actually here in Atlanta while I was still uh, working with Kaiser myself. And I just so happened to have been out at some of our MOBs that day. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, you start getting the text messages that he was in town yeah. and, you know, just around the regional office. Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, this is my chance. I have to get there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm like tightening up my meetings and driving through traffic, um, you know, in Atlanta, which is his own feat. Um, and again, I, I missed the opportunity. But, you know, I always had that that vision in my head, like if I had the chance, actually, let me just tell the truth. I always said if I had the chance to meet him face to face, I was just going to hug him. Because, oh, yeah. again, yeah. just someone doing what he does and everything you spoke on, um, that just you know, I, I'm sure I dropped his name a few times in my interview to get the job mm-hmm. that I had at the time. So, um, oh. so no, again, thank you. And again, connecting legacy to pushing this entire industry forward, because it's not just about taking care of 
people through medicine or through surgeries, but it's yeah. impacting communities. And that's a lot of what that what pulled me in at that time. And um, the interesting part about that is the very last time I met him was only a couple of months before his passing. He actually came to our new office, which is New Carrollton. Um, it's newly, it's maybe a year old by now. Um, and, you know, he's taking a tour of the building and I was running a meeting at the time. So I had we were running a remote meeting. I had this television up and everyone else is on video and we're talking through the meeting. He opens the door <laughs> in the midst of my meeting and walks in. He's looking at the camera. He said, oh, isn't that fancy? And he's talking to everyone um, on the camera like, hey, what are you guys talking about? You know, just cracking jokes. And um, I took a really fun picture with him, you know, just talking to the TV screen, just as a normal old guy, right? And that is something that we really should be um, thinking about as we're leaders, we have to be ego free. You know, it's not really about us. It's not all about all the letters after our name. It's really about the fact that we are human beings walking on this earth, which is a blessing. And, you know, we can definitely make every day matter. And that should be what we think about each day when we wake up. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. And I have it in my head that he probably had a voice that sounded like the guy from the Allstate commercial. Just like this soothing, super deep voice. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, that, that again, just the pedestal that I had him up on. But um, now TK, thank you for all of that. And again, thank you just for the overview of your own career path. Um, again, I, I know when I connected with you um, on LinkedIn before having the chance to really get to know you, um, that's what I saw. I saw a healthcare professional who was just, again, blazing a pretty unique path. So I'm obviously going to give you plenty of time to brag about so many of the other things that you're doing with your healthcare focus, but I want to move you to the next question. And TK, this is a question that I've been calling the dark place question because <laughs> I would love for you to take us to a moment in your career journey that you would consider your best moment of failure, um, but share with us what the moment was, um, any considerations that you were going through to turn the moment around, and definitely any major, uh, major lessons learned gained from the moment. So when I joined Kaiser, um, my mentor, she was my former executive director, she was really impactful and she was committed to my success as I tried to navigate this huge organization of 220,000 plus employees. So the role I started in, I was a legislative implementation senior consultant. And in that role, I worked with the clinical and the operational leaders across the organization just to understand what their current state processes and policies were. So when these regulatory changes came in from the federal level, we were able to identify what gaps were in place so we can fill those gaps and really drive an implementation to get us to comply. So ta-da, compliance, right? <laughs> and with all that, um, you can only imagine that it was highly visible um, this was really important stuff. We needed to comply, you know, big deal. And I needed to build a lot of relationships because there needed to be trust between me and these stakeholders. Um, and also I needed to understand who I needed to contact for which area as these different laws came out. So as she directed, I would set up meet and greets, even if I didn't have any business at the time with these leaders, just introduce myself, let them know who I was. You know, we built a very casual relationship and it was easier when the time came for me to reach out to that leader to set up those meetings for me to just reach out as TK rather than Tashka Nelson, um, you know, and really understand what their current state situation was. Well, I'd been doing it so often I started to get really comfortable with it and I would set up all these meetings 
it was no big deal. So I would do it for, you know, VPs, executive directors, directors, it didn't really matter um, until one day. <laughs> so um, I sent an executive director. She had actually just moved to the region from Atlanta, um, funny enough. And, you know, we sit down and we're exchanging the normal pleasantries and, you know, very relaxed. So then there's this moment of silence and she said, so where's your agenda? And I was stunned. So I answered with honesty. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't really think I needed to prepare one. This was just a meet and greet. And she looked at me with a very stern face and said, well, I'll need you to have an agenda prepared when you're putting time on these executives calendar. So when you get that ready, you can reschedule with me. With a total um, blow to my ego, <laughs> I walked away from that situation and she later, later became my boss, great friend and mentor, right? What I can say is from that learning lesson, I knew regardless how casual a situation is supposed to be or even what type of relationship I've already formed with that stakeholder, I always need to be prepared to be formal if I need to, to have tools in place, to have my talking points, um, and just to always bring my A game, regardless what situation I think I'm walking into. And that's something that I've taken to any meeting going forward. It doesn't matter who I'm meeting with. Uh, you know, I, I love that story and I appreciate it, um, TK, because I'll say for me personally, I, I, I think I'm probably the opposite in that situation for you at least, where I'm always, um, you know, I always at least attempt to be kind of super prepared to the point of where folks are like, hey, Jarvis, you know, you can relax a little bit. Um, I've always struggled with maybe kind of getting super relaxed or super casual at work, even though, you know, I, I pride myself on being a great team member and I'm here to try to help get things done. But I, I don't know, I think there's just a mental barrier that I've kind of built where I have to kind of leave casual Jarvis at the door and I've got to be super strict Jarvis or formal Jarvis. Um, any thoughts, I guess, like how have you approached blending how casual or relaxed or how formal to be? Um, it's something that I think I've only now over the last couple of years as I've built my business started relaxing more because now I'm, I'm working to be in more of a driver's seat, but at least working my way up the food chain um, in my earlier days, like I, I've almost gotten the, the total opposite feedback, like, dude, relax. Um, any, any thoughts? Like how have you balanced it? throughout your entire progression? It's extremely interesting you say that. So one of my mentees is extremely formal himself. And what he has found, and he actually came to me for help with this, he found because he was so formal and so black and white, and um, there was just an expectation that when he walks in the door, you know, everyone sits up straight in their chair, right? Um, from that, he felt as if there wasn't as much openness with him. There wasn't as much trust with him. And as he attempted to relax that bit more, it was really been through experience and continual practice that he's been walking in and essentially, you know, I'm not saying he like unbuttoned his shirt and, you know, he's, you know, that casual. Um, but he's been able to open up conversations so that he's actually building relationships and learning about people more. And for that reason, you know, they're opening up a bit more and um, he's able to just build more rapport with them and more rapport for him has allowed him to ease back a little bit because the formality has been a defense mechanism for him. So I don't know if that would work for you. I don't know if, you know, you feel as if formality is a defense mechanism. And for that reason, you know, you keep that wall up. How do you feel? 
I don't know, Dr. TK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you know, I, I could honestly say um, as, so I think part of it for me was coming from um, outside of healthcare into healthcare. And I came from a very project management kind of project driven organization because I was in um, electric utilities coming into healthcare where it was numbers, it was projects, it was technology. Um, so I had that experience for the first, you know, three to four years of my career path coming into healthcare where it was so people driven. Yeah. And I remember my first team, cause I, I started my career at Duke hospital um, in North Carolina. And my first, you know, experience coming in for the first at least two years was, why aren't you guys more focused on getting these projects done? Like, you know, I'm, y'all are, y'all are messing up my deadlines. I was very, very like regimented and that, but that was the discipline that I came in as an engineer into healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, again, I think it's just part training, part discipline, but it's, it just took me a while to kind of get into the people side of healthcare versus, you know, just that very formal, you know, my tie was always tight, um, you know, that, that kind of a mindset, but that's, that's what I was used to. So I don't know, like I said, I was just kind of intrigued because um, as you were telling your story, I was like, yeah, you're supposed to come, (laughs) you're supposed to have that agenda, TK, what's up with that? (laughs) But, but it's something that just has only taken me, like I said, probably up to the last three or four years now where I feel relaxed, where I can come to the office without the town, you know, a couple of days out the week or whatever, um, where I can sit back and have jokes with the executive team. And I think now it really has just been maturity because I am at that level, you know, where I could also sit with them or I can consult with them or I can be their advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just taken personally. It, it's something I've been very cognizant of where I'm just like, okay, relax a little bit. It's okay if this one meeting slides a little bit, trying to give a little leeway to the people side versus that, that regimen, you know, that, that project management builds in, builds in us a lot of times or engineering or the technical stuff. Um, so no, I, I just appreciate kind of digging in a little bit deeper with that because that's, that's just been a personal struggle. I don't know if anyone in our audience will connect there, but again, we're in a disciplined mindset with process improvement. So mm-hmm. I think I've, I've probably embodied it way too much at certain times. That's all. <laughs> I'll check back in with you in 90 days. <laughs> uh, just be sure, be sure to send my bill to my wife. So. <laughs> no, TK, I appreciate that entire mindset. Um, I want to dig us up out the um, dark place a little bit here um, and get more productive. Uh, next question I have for you, TK is that I would love for you to give our quality people a tip, tool, or tactic that you found works really well for building up those intimate connections with the project teams that you've led, but share with us what it is and how do you apply it? Good segue, because we just started talking about it. Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, my team always knows that I'm very committed to their success, their project success, and I am very intentional to develop trust up front And I do that by being very transparent, by communicating correctly, and also making sure that they fully understand what success looks like. And I'm equipping them to get there. So we are always looking at the future state as we are identifying what the current state um, situation is. And as I'm coaching and developing them, which is something I'm very... Um, dedicated to you, and you'll probably hear that next 20 times over this podcast, but um, they definitely see that I am not only committed to the success of a project, but to them. 
and um, you know, talking again about relationships, we develop a relationship so that they know when that project's over, they can still come to TK for assistance and my door is always open. So that's really important. Um, and essentially that's really been the core of what allows me and my teams to really bond the way we do so that in partnership, we're driving initiatives to the end and to be successful. Well, it's, it's uh, interesting, I guess, as you shared that story, because I was just leading a workshop um, yesterday, yesterday being Friday. Um, within this segment of the workshop, we were talking about these um, stages of team development, you know, the classic stages, forming, norming, performing, storming, the journey. Mm-hmm. And um, as you shared your story, that, you know, is the the mindset that immediately came back. Um, and I, I've coached all my teams up on the fact that when they really get good at doing projects, they'll be able to walk into a project team and just kind of put their finger on where that team is at any given state of their development. So I, I would want to toss an extra question to you, TK, and maybe ask, um, do you have any tried and proven, you know, additional tips outside of just, you know, building the the trust and that relationship. But how do you move teams forward when they're going through some of those classic phases? Um, you know, if they're just forming and they get into the storming before performing phase, do you, you know, mm-hmm. anything special that you do that, you know, someone in our audience, someone listening to this conversation could also start to apply in their work? I think a downfall that many leaders attempt to well, they don't attempt to, they do, they fall in to, um, is the thought that you can always take the team cohesively to the next level. And many times I identify that it has to be individuals that we identify and take to their next level. Many times the team can be progressing, but you have that one or that um, two, you know, could be people that are really in their own space and they need some individual attention. I do make sure that every person on my team knows that we have a one-to-one relationship and they're not just a member of a team. There's different dynamics of how we connect. And from there, through one-to-one interactions, I'm able to get everyone to their next level. Sometimes it just takes a bit more for individuals. No, I, I love it. Um, I've had those means, those project teams as well where for exactly what you said, that's, you know, pulling someone to the side, going to grab coffee or lunch with them and having that one-to-one, you know, hey, tell me what's really up or what's on your mind or whatever. Um, So perfect. I love that. Um, Next question I have for you, TK, is that I'd love for you to now share with us one of the best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare professional. But again, you know, walk us through the moment. Um, You know, how did the idea strike you? And definitely if you were able to turn it into a personal or a professional success. I reflect a lot. And as I am mentoring or getting to know uh, mentees, I usually start conversations off getting to know them and starting to understand where their current state is and where they'd want to go in their future state, just as we would do a gap analysis for their career. So today they could be in one job, they really want to get to another one. And I'm using the word job very specifically. Um, So we would look at job posting, see what skills and or experiences are required, and we map backwards. Okay, well, you're missing this, the true gap analysis. You're missing this. Let's work on building these skills and these experiences. Well, as I reflected and I thought about, you know, TK in earlier career and the mapping that would be required if I were to put myself in the same seat that I was putting my mentees in, I really would have set myself up for failure 
because many times when you get out of school, for example, you know, you get this shiny degree in your hand, you're like, this is the specific job I'm going to get. And it doesn't work out that way because our career is really based on opportunities that present themselves. And if you have a generalized way of thinking and producing, or you have a, a specific skill set, then you're able to leap forward into that um, opportunity when it presents itself. And if we attempt to be so narrow-minded in our career journeys, we start missing out on opportunities because we don't realize that there's such a broader sweep of um, potential that we really could set ourselves up for. So instead, with that aha, <laughs> now I more so, I assist my mentees with looking at job families. Okay, well, you want to go in project management. These are the key skills that project managers need. And these are the key skills that process improvement leaders need. Um, and we start working on that. We start working on how your mindset should work versus very specific job titles. Well, and again, I, I think a lot of what you're sharing so far, TK, is is wonderful, um, you know, messaging and wonderful mindset for our audience because, um, again, quick story, but I had a mentor very early in my healthcare career that told me, like, right out the gate to not, you know, don't kind of shut down um, unique opportunities. And with that, you know, I, I was like, no, I want to be a COO. Like, I'm, I'm on this straight path. I know exactly where I'm going. Um, but then as I started moving through my career path, I had so many unique opportunities that started hitting me. And, um, you know, I was adventurous enough. I took the risk mm -hmm. enough to say yes to. Right. And then to your additional point, what I found is that I had to start building very specific skill sets that has, you know, allowed me to, you know, if I wanted to, at this point, I could continue to pursue executive positions and or I could continue to build, um, you know, my business. And so I find myself that through skills development, more so than chasing a job or a title, right. I've been able to kind of set myself up in a way where I feel personally like I have a versatility that can apply to just about any path I want to go down. So again, I, I love that mindset, but I do want to highlight, this is, I'm taking my notes. This is the third time you said, or kind of highlighted that you're mentoring, um, you know, working with other healthcare professionals, but you're in the position of a mentor. And so a prior question that I've taken out of this show at this point was asking my guests how they felt about having mentors in their life, but I want to kind of turn that question around just a little bit for you, TK, and mm -hmm. can you share with us how have you worked to become a mentor? Um, were there any specific programs that you got involved with that allowed you to be a formal mentor? Um, were there any specific things you did to learn how to become a mentor and, you know, therefore be in a position to help guide other healthcare professionals in the work that you're, you're supporting? I wish I could say yes. Um, and that's actually a very interesting question. I honestly have been so fortunate to have some of the best mentors out there. I mean, if I could take 30 minutes to read off the names of my mentors, um, I mean, I couldn't bra brag enough about the great people that have been in my life. I've really led by example or followed their example. Um, I've taken in a lot of the teachings from my mentors and I've benefited so much from them that I've only wanted to share that with other people. So kind of a, a pay it forward type of mindset? Yeah, 100%. I've been so fortunate. Wonderful. 
No, I appreciate that. Like I said, um, when I first kicked off this podcast, that was just one of my favorite questions. Um, and, and just about every leader was really big on mentors. So uh, unfortunately, I felt the answers became repetitive. But again, just to be able to ask someone who is actively mentoring others, um, you know, I wanted to take that opportunity. So um, again, thank you for the spinoff question. But thank you again for that mindset. And again, skill development and kind of being, um, you know, being flexible in how you're going to develop your career path, I think are just two major takeaways that I think everybody kind of needs to hear and needs to hear and needs to hear over and over as they keep pushing forward. Um, Next question I have for you, TK, is what are some of the changes taking place across the healthcare industry that um, that you're personally excited about? And what role do you see quality professionals playing to promote or support its longevity? The COVID-19 pandemic (laughs) has changed healthcare forever. So, you know, it was great. It was great to see how telemedicine took us to that next level of care and really allowed us, not 100%, obviously, you know, some medicine requires us to have in-person interaction, but it really allowed us to fill the gap when social distancing was absolutely needed and as a country and a world. We really needed these precautions to remain healthy. I do feel that as telemedicine proved itself to be so powerful and essential as we're thinking about healthcare, this is going to be a premier opportunity for us as quality professionals to identify the opportunity for us to expand this innovative care, but also to make sure that it is providing the quality outcomes we're looking for, the patient experiences that we need, and also that we're adequately monitoring telemedicine. So um, a few years ago, I did an ITIL certification, and that's um, IT service management. And it's just always been something that was interesting to me. I went forward after that, and University of Texas had a HICAT certification, and that was a health IT certification. Um, And it was just extremely interesting to me. After I finish, and I'm always working on something, I'm always studying for some certification. But in a couple of weeks, I'm sitting for my CPHQ, And when I'm done with that, I'm actually intending to continue to study on um, more telemedicine coursework. Don't know what that looks like yet, but I do see that as one of the huge opportunities taking place in healthcare now. And that's uh, somewhere that as um, quality professionals, we definitely should leap in and look at this as an opportunity for career movement. So I was just in a conversation with a friend of mine who is a uh, director of quality, and we were talking about telemedicine. Um, (laughs) Me personally, again, TK, I agree 100% with you um, that this is a huge part of the future of healthcare. Um, And it just falls into the world of virtual care all around, whether it's Mm -hmm. through monitors, through Fitbits, all of the above. Right. Um, My friend, who is a director of quality within a brick and mortar hospital, is Mm -hmm. scared to death that this is going to start to move quality away from her, you know, brick and, war- brick and mortar, the four walls of a hospital. Mm-hmm. And now there's going to be a need for kind of virtual quality, whatever that starts to look like. Um, so just sharing that thought, I don't know if, you know if I have a real question for you or anything, but <laughs> that, that was the gist of our conversation. And, you know, she was just like, so what did this, what does this do to accreditation standards? What does this do to the quality of communications 
um, you know, from, you know, caregiver to, um, to the patient, um, you know, just all of the above. It was a really good conversation. It, it had me thinking, but the fact, again, she was scared of what mm-hmm. this means to the future of healthcare quality. And I was just like, wow, I, I hadn't seen it from that point of view, but just something maybe to just kind of keep in the back of thought, you know, as you're pursuing your knowledge in that area as well. But I do think it's the future. So. Yeah, but change management always incorporates an aspect of fear. Yeah, true. And that's something that we'll always come to expect. But as we educate ourselves more, then the fear dissipates. So exciting times ahead. Absolutely. Um, Next question I have for you then, because this kind of plays into this mindset, I guess. Um, TK, I would love for you to share with us, um, you know, from your point of view, how can the healthcare industry become a more attractive place for ambitious, talented, quality professionals to start and or grow their careers? Through innovation. <laughs> so <laughs> that, That's the answer to the last conversation, right? <laughs> um, I, I love the fact that you mentioned that you came from engineering. Um, and what I'm appreciating so much about healthcare is that we have professionals joining the healthcare industry from other areas and really bringing in difference of perspective. And there's a difference of tools. Um, I really love the fact that your organization um, offers Six Sigma training as an example. And we know Six Sigma was born more in um, a production-based environment. And now it's, uh, it's something that's so valuable in healthcare. So as we are evolving how we think about things, as we are now expanding those thought processes that allow us to be a successful healthcare industry, I find that healthcare becomes more attractive for people that are entering. And I think we get to be more creative and innovative. Well, my only follow-up response to that is amen. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I love it. You know, again, I think it's an exciting time just to be in healthcare, um, especially if you're a non-clinician. This is probably the Mm -hmm. best time for non-clinicians to consider healthcare and healthcare quality and analytics and, you know, all the AI stuff that's, you know, this is just a really interesting time. So perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect mindset there. Um, TK, I'm happy to share with you that we are right there at the halfway point of our conversation. So okay. I'm going to move us into something I call the two minute drill, kind of a play on uh, my past life as a football player, but you know, my okay. take on a rapid fire Q and a, but just checking in really quickly to see if you're ready to rock and roll. I am. All right, perfect. Well, TK, the next question I have for you is something of a two-parter where I would love for you to first tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best, then Mm -hmm. also share with us how do you inspire others within your organization? I am hyper. (laughs) And everyone knows (laughs) I'm hyper. I'm up at 5 a.m. and I am hyper. So bringing a high energy to work every day, but coming to work with that that idea that I am showing up to make a positive impact in patients' lives and what I am doing is spreading across so many motivates me to do everything I can to be the best at my job. That same energy normally motivates my team and we are doing it in a team fashion so that everyone knows that we're working towards the same mission and we're all going to high five at the end until the next project. Wonderful. I love it. And uh, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Build and cultivate relationships. So it was so important to me that I founded a group called Greeks in Healthcare. So for anyone listening and interested, 
it's greeksihc.com. And the organization that I founded was to bring healthcare professionals together, build relationships, but not in that really cold way in which you think of happy hours and you have to go to the bar and hope someone walks up to you and gives a business card and all that stuff. Essentially, we do fun things together and organically build relationships like sip and paints or um, museum tours, party boats, all kinds of stuff. Um, so that definitely is something that I cherish. And as we continue to build relationships, I continue to watch Greeks in Healthcare explode. So we're, we have more than 200 people now. Wonderful. And let me just plug that a little bit more um, because, again, I've already seen things you've posted and um, Nijad Evans was one of the folks that mm -hmm. had gone through an experience. So I've already had him on. So like I've already started stealing from some of the things you're doing <laughs> up there. But um, let me ask you this, just so again, for our listeners, as they hopefully plug in and connect with you following this episode, um, do you have to be a Greek to be a part of Greeks in healthcare? Because I, you know, I, I, I want in and I'm not a Greek. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate you for asking that. All right. No. No, no, no. There you um, go. And we're about a 70-30 split right now. So absolutely not. And no one is made to feel as if they are um, outside of the group if they're not Greek. All right. Perfect. No, I just wanted to um, to spotlight that because, like I said, um, you know, building communities is where my head is and we've talked and I know that's where your thoughts are. So I love what you're doing with Greeks in healthcare. Um, as soon as you're ready to franchise it, let me know. We'll get the Atlanta chapter going. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> but, no, good stuff. No, thank you for sharing. And we will post the link for that um, with the show. Um, Greatly next, appreciate it. Oh, no, no, happy to do so. Um, next question I have for you, though, is if you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be and why? So I made a job up. <laughs> and I, I chuckled earlier because you mentioned um, a formal mentoring program. That, and that's actually what I wish I could run. So if I could dedicate my full-time hours to be a mentor and coaching vice president, I would, because I would really appreciate going home each day feeling gratified that I've built programs and I've been able to help everyone um, grow to the potential that they really would love to reach. Oh, I'm in. I'm intrigued and, you know, if, if there isn't one there, it sounds like a future <laughs> opportunity. Hey. Start beating the uh, entrepreneur drum there. Um, hey, love it. Next question I have for you, TK, is that I would love for you to share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality improvement initiatives. Sure. So that is consistently reading and studying to keep my skills fresh and sharp. So I mentioned earlier that I'm studying for my CPHQ. I'm um, picking up a lot of skills from that. But consistently, I'm always reading and I'm always reading best practices and um, understanding how other practitioners are um, finding success in the work that they're doing as well. Wonderful. And again, I, I think that's why you're a perfect fit for this show, because, um, you know, that's the one thing quality people do constantly is personal development, you know, continuous improvement of ourselves. So um, I love just hearing that. I, I'm always inspired. Um, and when we get to your book question. I want a really good book. So, uh, uh, it's coming. <laughs> next, uh, <laughs> uh, next question I have for you, TK, is uh, what is a go-to website or mobile, applica mobile application for executing on the work that you lead? So I'm PMP certified and always looking for great templates. So there's two. I use slido.com for PowerPoint, and I also use projectmanagement.com for some of their project management templates. 
essentially when you start using the same templates over and over, you start tweaking based on your stakeholder. So for those that aren't used um, templates, you can pull those down and really make them your own. So that is applicable to what your stakeholders are looking for for reporting. All right, wonderful, wonderful. And um, we'd love for you to share with us a personal, or excuse me, a professional society and a professional conference that you think would be a value add. We'll be here all day, but I um, went with a short list. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> societies, again, being a, a person that loves community and relationships, I'm in a lot of organizations, but women in healthcare, they are a group focused on empowering women in healthcare and building relationships. So that's a go-to for me. The National Association of Health Service Executives, NASI, we talked about earlier. Um, they lead a lot of programs for development of healthcare. And another plug there, they don't, you don't necessarily have to be a minority to be a part of that as well. Um, the American College of Healthcare Executives, they're an international platform. Um, Project Management Institute, so project management. Um, and I also follow very strongly the Institute of Healthcare Improvement and the National Association of Healthcare Quality. I also very closely monitor Becker's Healthcare. And I think they're one of the greatest platforms for learning about healthcare news. Anything you can think of is there. Perfect. And all of those groups respectively have uh, conferences associated with them, but any particular conference you want to highlight? Um, I actually like them all, but I'm going to go with NASI. <laughs> I really right. appreciate the fact that NASI allows so much relationship building during their conferences. Um, and that's something that I really appreciate. Awesome. And I don't know how it's going to look this year, but, um, you know, in October, the national conference is supposed to be here in Atlanta. So, yeah. yeah so, we'll um, yeah, anybody listening to this show, check it out. You know, COVID considering, but um, yeah. hopefully, hopefully that does take place. Hopefully the world is better. Yeah. Uh, uh, TK, the next question I have for you is I would love for you to recommend one book to our quality people, but share with us why it's a good book worth recommending. The First 90 Days, Proven Strategies for Getting Up to Speed Faster and Smarter by Michael D. Watkins. The title says it all. So anytime that we're thinking of switching a job, I'd hope that this is something that would come to mind and we'd pick it up, but also as process improvement and project management professionals, it's very common that we need to get up to speed with what operations in a foreign place are doing so that we can understand um, the key metrics to be focused on and what key operational outcomes need to come out of a department. So using a lot of the same skill sets that you would use to get up to speed for a job, you can use to get up to speed with assessment of a situation. Well, and so that is a classic book. I love that you recommended it. And two things that I've learned from that book, um, one is, it's not a book you read, but it's a book that you study. Uh -huh. um, and then two is you actually probably need to read it, you know, like in 90 day chunks, you know, read it for the first 90 days. But then when you're on days like 91 to 180, read it again. And like I've just found myself reading it even after I'm well established in a position because the strategies apply you know, just it's a kind of rolling effect. As soon as you start figuring stuff out, then you have to kind of refresh it again and do it again. So awesome recommendation. Thank you. Uh, last question I have for you, TK, but just a heads up, this is the knockout drag out question of the entire <laughs> conversation tonight. But I would love to try to get you to reflect on your past while having you also look forward to your future. So let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past one text message to yourself 10 years into the future, 
take a few seconds and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? Hmm. So my text 10 years in the past, that would be 2010, would be continue to be courageous and do not say no to opportunities. The best is yet to come. In 2010, um, I said to my husband, you've lived out of state and I never have. We used to live in Florida. And he said, okay, well, if you find a job out of town, we'll pack up and go. Well, when I found a job six days later, <laughs> we packed up our home and um, put everything in storage, took the auto train up to Virginia, an area we had never been to, and we worked it out. We literally lived in a short-term stay hotel for 90 days to figure out the area and figure out where we wanted to live. And from there, it's been history. So that big chance that we took definitely um, has benefited us. And it was um, something that we never in our wildest dreams would have um, thought would have happened. <laughs> so um, that's that text. Um, as far as my 2030 text, my text would say, it's only 2030, so you're not done yet. Keep writing your legacy. Mm, and I cool. foresee myself, you know, in 10 years, still pushing forward and still writing my legacy on a daily basis. Uh, very cool. Um, I, I love both of those texts. And, you know, it's funny, as you shared, um, I, I think you're probably the first guest that has done the simple math behind it. So in 2010, I'm like, what kind of phone were we using? Like Blackberries back then? <laughs> In 2030, <laughs> there'll be messages just popping up on, on the palm of our hands or something. But, <laughs> no bitmojis, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We should tell our audience, you are queen of the bitmojis. I'm, so, I'm jealous. I'm <laughs> jealous. But um, no, those are two wonderful text messages. Um, I love the story just about taking the chance to pack up and take a risk at a new opportunity in a new area. Um, again, solid careers or unique careers, I think are all about the risk taking. And, you know, I just don't see you stopping um, just because again, from what I've been following with you, TK, you're very motivated. Um, you have a very solid, you know, audience and a community that you're building. And I just see you doing this probably until you can't do it anymore. Um, you know, I've really been impressed with everything that I've seen from you. I look forward to following you more and just continuing to watch you grow and just bring more healthcare professionals together. So I appreciate you for all of that. And I appreciate you for this conversation tonight. But uh, TK, before I let you go, I would love to end this conversation with just, you know, you giving that parting piece of advice to our quality people, sharing the best way that we can follow or connect with you on social media. And please take a chance to highlight any other ways that we can follow all the great things you're doing because you have, um, uh, you know, just so many different things going. But um, with that, we'll finally let you go for the evening and I'll sign us off. All right. Well, first, I want to thank you. And I do not want to um, forget or allow us to wrap up today's conversation without talking about all the great things that you are doing and the great trainings that you're offering and the great consulting that your work, um, your company is doing. So kudos to you and the impact that you are making. And even this podcast, this is absolutely phenomenal. And I am so grateful that I was able to be a guest today. Um, so my parting advice, I think I've said it 10 times, but build relationships. Um, I also feel very um, compelled to say that we all need to seek coaches and mentors and we have to continue to expand and keep our skills current and marketable. So in PI, I have a few bullet points here. One, identify the root cause before solutioning. 
that's a mistake way too many practitioners make. Know your stakeholders, communicate with precision and timeliness, understand what success truly looks like, and be inclusive. So now that I'm done with that, my contact info. <laughs> um, I'm a huge LinkedIn advocate, and I am on LinkedIn, so anyone can follow me there. Um, anyone that wants to know more about Greeks in Healthcare, again, that's greeksihc.com. And I can be reached at Nelson at gmail.com. All right. Wonderful. And again, just the, the send off that you just shared there. So on point, um, you are, you are a quality person's favorite quality person, TK. So thank oh. you for all of that. Um, you know, uh, again, the show, really good content. Um, I know we're going to continue to stay in touch, so I can't thank you enough. But uh, to our quality people everywhere, thank you all for listening to this great conversation and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and TK, and we're officially signing off. Thanks, Jarvis. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.